0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 56 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Colin Wiley. And uh, today's episode is on, should psychologists be able to prescribe medication to patients? So this I think, is really, really interesting and I absolutely like, loved researching this uh, topic. Uh, because if you remember a few um, episodes ago, I said I was going to attend a Psychological Society talk on it. Well, that talk didn't really happen and so I decided to do an entire episode on it based on my own um, research. Well, that's the topic of today's episode. So moving on to the psychology news section. So we're reading from the British Psychological Society Research Digest and there's actually some quite interesting articles so um, for example oh yes and I did want to say if you hear any like annoyances like thumps and bumps it's because downstairs we're moving around to the living room Well, my mum and dad are. So like going back to the psychology um, news section. So here's how the experience of regret develops through childhood. Etting Path, I think that's how you say the name. Famously, regretted nothing, but regret is an important emotion, as it can lead us to avoid repeating mistakes or to heal damaged relationships. It's also an emotion that many of us feel on a regular basis. Open quote: Regret is ambiguous and powerful. Close quote. Writes uh, Therese McCordman at Queen's University, Belfast, and colleagues in a new paper published in Current Directions in Psychological Science, open quote, it is one of the most frequently mentioned emotions in conversation and affects a huge variety of everyday choices, close quote. Though there has been plenty of work on regret in adults, much less is known about how it develops in children, in this new review, McCoyham and her colleagues, what we do know about is to them, and outlined the major gaps still left to fill in. There are implications not just for basic understanding of regret, but also for informing educators in nurseries and schools. After all, even young children are expected to feel bad about harming others, but depending on their age, there are limits to say just what they feel in such a scenario. So this I think is really, well, yes, this I think is really um, interesting, because regret as they said is a really important emotion because it can lead us to like, go out and prepare relationships and it can also help us to um, avoid making like, mistakes but i think it's really important to like, reflect that well we don't necessarily know enough about regret in uh, children and as we know from other studies like everything in the formative years is still really important so i think it's a shame that we've got this massive gap uh, on regret because we don't know how regret develops and then we also don't know how it influences children at later stages in their life. so that's a lot i think it's important that we focus on this in the future perhaps of course that's if you're into um developmental um, psychology which after this week i'm not so another one is uh, people who want to be more empathetic may also de- um, develop a liberal moral values So, no matter how happy you are in yourself, there's probably something about your personality you'll like to change. Maybe you feel you're too uptight or want to be more outgoing, or perhaps you'll like to be less moody or more tolerant of other people's shortcomings, it's likely that a change in personality will have some kind of social consequence, whether that's in your relationship with your spouse or your abilities gone with your colleagues, but it might also affect which moral values you hold important. A new paper finds that a growth in one area, empathy, was associated with a shift in morals a um, foundation for a more classically liberal style of art. Yes, yeah, so this I don't really think there's too much to say on, but I think it's really interesting and also makes a sense, like, because if you're conservative, uh, yes, yeah, so, but then you might not be as empathetic as someone who's having a more liberal more problem. So for example, if someone's got quite like a low paid job uh, and they're struggling to pay bills, uh, yes, yeah, so, but then as a Strict conservative, and you might not see it as a problem like as much I put it as a strict conservative. But like that's their own fault. And uh, this idea of the state helping the people is relatively new. But, like to be honest, because it only really like came into effect 1850, I think, in the UK. I'm pretty sure that that's about right. But even then, it was it was pretty conservative, it was just like we give you like um, a tiny bit of money to like help you out. Yes and then like before that you like had a thousand years of um, like no benefits or anything quite like that. Yes like it makes sense if you want to empathise with people other then you might want to be a bit more um, liberal in your attitudes. Yes and then there's just two more that I want to do. So gruesome descriptions can make crime seem worse but judges and lawyers are immune to this bias. We often like to think of ourselves as impartial decision-makers, but of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Our day-to-day thoughts and behaviours are biased in all kinds of ways, but is the same truth for people in the legal profession, um, which prides itself on its supposed objectivity and fairness. According to a new study in Humanities and Social Science Communications, God, that's a big title, judges and lawyers may be immune to at least some of the biases that affect the rest of us. In particular, their judgments may seem less proven to bias, in effect, by emotive language. Example: so, I think that this could be mainly down to like awareness, like uh, simply because uh, they know the tactic of that the lawyer is like trying like to use. A meaning, they might be able to like, resist it more consciously. And also, I think it might. Also, we're tapping to desensitisation, because if you constantly, yes, i like to grease like restrictions, uh, yeah, well then over time, things are as shocking. And that one I will actually say for that news description for the um, second edition of Forensic Psychology, actually. So, with the editor's pick, what is it like to experience mental health problems? And on a side note, it says here that it's actually Mental Health Day, yes, I bet it's World Mental Health Day today on Saturday, but I thought it was yesterday. At least that's what all the news outlets said, uh, but I did just uh, want to say that, uh, that, and if you can always contact me, email me, yes, at oconawiley.net, uh, Conwayley, if you ever feel like alone or, well, alone or anything, even if you just simply want to say hello, then that's why. So we're moving on to the article, we've rounded up some of the research we've covered over the years to explore what it's like to live with mental health problems. And even that word problems is a bit, oh really? It is like 2020. Can't it just say conditions or difficulties? Something that's a bit kinder. So, from obsessive-compulsive disorder to hearing voices, psychologists call these kind of studies qualitative research, where the aim is not to put a score against a particular symptom, but to discover the first-hand perspective and experience of people who take part based on their own words. Such studies are often distressing to read, but their insights make a vital contribution to our understanding of the human condition. Yes, and then I, I just want to point out this uh, like one thing from the article. So, depression feels like... Uh, a kind of emptiness. A recurring theme from interviews with seven people diagnosed with depression was the sense of depletion and emptiness, both bodily and in thinking about the past and future. Open quote. <laughs> it's like something's wrong in a side of me, and sort of swept my happiness away. Close quote, said one participant. Open quote <laughs> I feel like sometimes my life is on hold, close quote, said another. Isolation was another key theme, as described by this man's description. Open quote. Um, you are getting into a state, I think mentally, where you're just like on an island, you can see from this island another shore and all these people are there, but there's no way for you to get across, or there is no way that you want to get across like Quozo Clote. It's that I think is just really, really like interesting, and this is another one that I'm actually going to say for um, probably abnormal Psychology 3rd edition which might be coming out next year, I don't know, to be honest. I've not really thought about, like, which are books I'm uh, doing, like, next year yet. Yeah, but I just think that's, like, really, like, interesting, and it definitely highlights the uh, shame, yes, sad about that. the um, unfortunate suffering that uh, people go through. Yeah, but that, I think, is the good thing about, like, psychology, is that we want to help others, we want to make their lives better. Like, we want to make sure that they're not um, suffering, and uh, we also want to make sure that they're not alone. So I hope you found this psychology news section interesting. So let's move on to the personal update. So we're moving on to the personal update, Yes, like okay, this week was my first week at Backlight like, University and it's really nice to get back into like, proper like um, psychology with proper lectures and I just, and I think it's just, just I think it's just, just like great like to be honest because I've had some really good lectures, so overall, like, I'm settling him back in like okay. Oh, but I do have to admit, child development is, is still not one of my favourite topics because I because I had to go through the modern theories like this week and it was just, yep, yeah, okay them yep, yeah, there's this theory, there's that theory. And one of them sounded so weird, it was like, I I forget the name of the theory, but it was something along, it was something along the lines of children are born with theories about the world, okay, which I was a bit... Really, and then what a child does is, as they're learning, as they're exploring the world, they're constantly um, testing their theories, and they're basically everything was to do with their theories. Which I understand the logic behind it. I'm just not. I'm just not sure if I like the theory itself. So I don't know. There's definitely some interesting theories about which I thought was cool. But, which I thought was a quite um, interesting. Or, oh, plus, I actually got introduced to my statistics... Um, uh, Well, um, yeah, well, like, common to my um, statistics practicals. Uh, and it's a thematic analysis, which I definitely think I'll mention on the podcast in the future. Simply because I think it's really, like, interesting, because it's how you do a proper, like, thematic analysis, like, which is when you look for themes in dialogues and, like, transcripts, which I think would be quite interesting. And there's different ways of coding it. So, I don't know. I f- think... I think that practical should be like quite good, and then the only other like video really, like relevant thing that I wanted to say up like this week about like um yes about, about like psychology is that because I'm doing a clinical psychology degree this year I'm required to do a a like reflective diary like whenever I do like a topic or whenever I do wider reading around like psychology I'm required to keep a reflective diary. Yeah, so, but like, just so I can like reflect on clinical psychology and basically I'm like, it's helping to train you for your masters because in your clinical psychology masters you have something like clin- you have some like clinical logs I think I read, which I was just like, yes, Apple, I just quickly like, skimmed over, and because I'm pretty much required to do one well, like, once a week, what I'm most probably going to do is once a month, I'm probably going to do, do a sort of, like, reflection episode, Because the reason why I actually quite like that is that because it's actually quite nice to like, reflect on certain topics where I can just talk about like my own thoughts. Uh, like, on a given topic, because these are podcast episodes, like, they are great, but for me, they're all about giving you content, and they're giving you, like, the best, like, value for your time, but with these reflections, it'd be more about you get to hear about my own thoughts, like, the pros and cons of it, which you do sort of get, but I don't know, if to be honest, and the things that I would probably have to end up doing like ref- mm-hmm. yes, like my, yes, like my, reflections on, is that, well, you can't really talk about it, like, in a podcast episode, but, like, for example, like, um, after this, I'm actually going to be doing a reflection on this podcast episode, because it's on um, should a psychologist have been able to prescribe um, medication, because that's to do with like, clinical psychology. So, yes, I'll probably mention um, some of my thoughts and feelings on it, like, at the end and, like, out, but it'd be a more reflective piece, the next week's one, for example, might be on the psychology of religion book that I'm, like, reading, like, currently, because, I don't know, I wouldn't really be able to talk about it on the podcast as such, because, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know, but, anyway, we'll, anyway, like, you should see that, like, once a month in the future, and then I've also been doing, like, a lot of, like, um, fiction work, Oh, plus, I almost forgot to say, I have recorded two online courses this week, so, I I'm saying it now, so I might, might try and get the courses done for next week's episode, just so I can announce them. Because the episode, because the two courses I've done is what causes depression, anxiety, and OCD, and then I've also done another course on how to on the uh, treatment of mental conditions. Yeah, but it focuses on depression, but it still focuses on it like quite generally. Yeah, so that I think will be um really good uh, because you like had the video of uh, me like teaching you and everything. So yeah, so that I'm actually like really like looking forward to. As always like you can always like contact me to send me your thoughts and feelings on any podcast episodes but anything I've said or even uh, just say hello at sci fi wiley on Twitter and you can also email me conwhiley at or you can leave a comment on the uh, the blog post at Connorwhiley.net forward slash blogs or like if you go to conwily.net forward slash podcast then you can scroll down and find the episode click on it and then that takes you straight to the uh, blog poster and that really works if you're looking for the, um older episodes that, that might have been um yeah where that might be quite far down and uh, today's episode has been sponsored by my Biological Psychology 2nd edition book. Uh, so this book I've really been in a joy at because it's all about um, biological psychology. It's like how our biology like, affects us and it's available on all major ebook retailers like Amazon, Kobo, Google Play, Amazon. And then the paperbacks are available on um, Amazon and that's also in paperback and large print. So here's the blurb. Do you want to know how our biology can impact our behaviour? Have you ever wondered the importance of sleep and the meaning of dreams? Do you want to learn how and why we experience the senses we do? If the answer to any of these questions is yes and more, then this is the book for you as you'll learn a lot of great information about biological psychology and how our biology impacts our behaviour, all explained in an easy to understand way. By the end of this book you will know what biological psychology is, how evolution, hormones and neurotransmitters affect our behaviour, how our biology affects our behaviour and much more. Buy today, start learning fascinating topic of biological psychology. Yes, so I really enjoy this book, and hopefully you will too. Tonight again, like it's uh, available on all major book retailers, and the paperbacks and large print are available on Amazon. Or oh, and I also just I wanted to say that on Friday the 16th of October, um, uh, twenty twenty. It is the release day of my formulation in a psychotherapy book. Yes, like if you want to do clinical psychology in the future, then I highly, highly, highly recommend that you would get that book because it's really um, useful um, for uh, a yeah, clinical psychology masters as a yes, as an undergraduate, you don't tend to look at the formulate at the topic of a formulation, which is why I did it. I just really like recommend it. Yes, and the the price will increase to $4.99 on Friday. So if you want to buy it, then try and get it before um, Friday, the 16th of October 2020. So that's enough for the personal update. Let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So moving on to the content of today's episode. So we're going to be looking at should psychologists be allowed to prescribe medication as a treatment. So this I think is a really interesting topic because as I said before, I was going to do a bit of psychological society talk. So that got changed for to a Q&A and when I tried to access the webinar, it didn't let me. So presumably people came 10 minutes early and then they decided to um, fill it up. So I don't know. I don't know is to, to be honest, I'm actually quite glad that they did uh, and that I wasn't able like to access it because then it allowed me to do my own research and come up with today's episode. So hopefully you will enjoy it. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do some background information first first and then I'm gonna do the for and against arguments. So firstly, a psychologist being able to describe medication. Is not new because psychologists are able to prescribe medication in five states in the USA. But psychologists are able to prescribe medication in Louisiana, New Mexico, Illinois, Ohio, and I've no idea how you say that last one. Oh yes, um, Idaho. Sorry, it's just um spelled a bit. I don't know. It's not spelled um phonetically. Yeah, right. Sorry, um, about that. Um, American. And I do just want to say that yes, this article and uh, that uses my source for my information was pretty much all American, as this is the Psychology World podcast. And also, um, we have a massive international um listenership. I'm going to make this a bit more globally focused. So, like, the idea of, like, psychologists being able to prescribe medication isn't newer, because in New Mexico, these are privileges that were granted in 2002, and then in, yes, and then in, like, um, Louisiana in 2004. So, this is not, yes, this is not some grand new idea. This is fairly old, at least 18 years old at the time of recording and i also need to note that psychologists yes you know, but they just can't automatically do it because there are training requirements that must be met in each state okay so like moving on to what training is needed so um, this really depends like by state data because in like in new mexico psychologists are, are required to complete 450 hours of, of uh, didactic training and that I wasn't able to find out what it is. And they also need to complete 400 hours of supervised nice practice in psychopharmacology. Yeah, there's a massive word tonight, this one. Yeah, but this is basically a just using drugs and medication to treat mental conditions. That's all that it is. And then in Louisiana, yes, a blind like, psychologist Need to complete a postdoctoral master's degree in clinical psychopharmacology. So this is just an extra degree. Yeah, but then in, like, a higher state, uh, people will still need to complete the extra degree, but they also need to have clinical egg experience in... God, this podcast episode filled with massive words. So, pathophysiology. Yes, and all um, that that. this is... It's about... This is the uh, physiological processes that occur with a um a disease or, um, like, an injury. Yeah, so this is more of the medical profession, like, coming through. But, like, uh, they also need to have egg experience in, like, a treatment, so, like, in, like, Ohio... You do sort of need the more doctor path, you could uh, potentially say. And then uh, the last one, uh, which is in um, Illinois, like the psychologists, still need to have this specialised training in psychopharmacology, but they also need to complete a supervised clinical rotation that lasts 14 months. And in this um rotation, like, it covers a, a, a wide range of settings, like, for example, mental hospitals, uh, no, yeah but like mental health clinics prisons and hospitals and this is really um common now to how the uk clinical psychologist doctorate work yes yeah, so because in a three years you need to do um your four settings like you need to work with learning disabilities working age adults retired people and there's oh yes yeah, so and like children and adolescents okay so now we're going to move on to the arguments for psychologists being able to prescribe medication so the first argument for this is it puts less strain on healthcare services or services because the original idea for the for this particular thought argument was in the US because certain states face a shortage of like psychiatrists meaning that psychologists could pick up the um extra workload. But this is why I try and make it a bit more global. So what I mean by making it a bit more global is that it could be good for psychologists to be able to prescribe medication as it could allow doctors to be freed up under the NHS in the UK. Could be put under less stress, and this could easily apply to all medical services in any part of the world because instead of patients going to see doctors and GPs for their treatment, they can go and see a prescribing a psychologist. This can make more doctor visits available, and some of the doctor's workload could be shifted. Because, like, instead of them dealing with a mental health patients and like clients, but, like, the doctors will be able to focus focus like more on their expertise, which is physical health. And the second thought argument I'm not that sure on because, I don't know, to to be honest, personally I don't like it as a thought argument, I class most of this as a negative, and as I said before, personally, I'm still against this idea of psychology being able to prescribe drugs, Um, medication, I need to be a bit more politically correct, Um, medication. (laughs) But after researching this episode, I am more understanding, and I do understand the benefits, because. Yes, because the um, thought argument that I just spoke about is actually, it does make a lot of sense. So, right, so, moving on to the second one. So, some people say that allowing clinical, allowing psychologists to prescribe um, medication could increase access to psychological treatment. So, this article does not go into any depth about this, so I'm going to try my best. So, The only way how I could actually think that this could apply is the following situation. (laughs) So um, this could be a great benefit to psychologists because people with mental health difficulties that don't believe in psychomagic. Yes, I've never heard that term used, but you get the idea The people who don't believe in psychology or any psychotherapy. Yes, and probably avoid getting treatment currently because of psychomagic is the only option to them, which if anyone actually looked into it, isn't true. Anyway, yeah, well, like as well as it could take them too long to see a psychiatrist, which these psychiatrists, because they can prescribe drugs, they can give them proper treatment. <laughs> yes, I was laughing when I was like writing this. Right? Okay. So anyway, yes, like if like psychologists are able to prescribe proper treatment, also known as medication, and then if mental health sufferers get quick access to this. Proper treatment by going to see a psychologist, then these people will get the helper that they need, and hopefully, they will start to live a better, more fulfilled lives. And again, I do have problems with this idea. Once again, I believe this is reinforcing the biomedical model. And as we all know, I prefer formulation. I do what next week's episode is going to be on, because I think it's such a vital topic to psychology and mental health treatment. And also, like this, completely ignores the biopsychosocial model which I've spoken tons of, or tons about on this podcast. But overall, you do get the idea about how psychologists being able to prescribe medication could potentially help. So now we're going to go on to the arguments against psychologists to prescribe medication. So firstly, a lot of professionals agree that simply doing another degree in psychopharmacology is not enough, especially considering doctors and other medically trained people go to medical school or university for at least seven years, and that's the UK um, degree. Um, length meaning that this does call into question are psychologists trained enough to be able to deal with medical issues personally personally i doubt it and also just i wanted to say that also the uh, pharmacology yes i like uh, the way how i've seen it works so this is my own experience uh, well experience don't take me at my word that uh, my word about this because again i don't do um biomedical science or yes, that or the pharmacology, but the way how I've heard it works is that you do a three-year bachelor's degree in biological science, and then you do your um, pharmacology on top of it. Okay, and this paragraph, I fully admit, I did try to word this out quite carefully, but hopefully you get the idea. So another thing, though, is that it's no different for a psychiatrist trying to deal with a mental health problem like, exclusively, Using psychology and not psychiatry, as psychiatrists are mainly trained in psychi- in psychiatry and and the biomedical model, because they're pretty much doctors. Yes, because like psychiatrists are pretty much trained as doctors first, and then they go into the mental health specialization. Specialization like whereas the like um, psychologists have a better understanding and the mind and their human behavior, as a, this is what psychologists have been trained in like, exclusively. Again, both. film both fields have that are like, limitation, and because like, psychiatrists have their limitation, in it because because their doctors first, um, psychology has its like limitations, because we don't know as much as it's yes, like we don't know much about biology and uh, the biological processes and and all the medical side of it uh, as psychiatrists, because we're not trained in it. So hopefully that makes sense. Sense, and this leads me into my second um against argument, because what if a medical condition is overlooked? and treat it as a mental condition. Now, I actually need to emphasise this because, again, this I was trying to word quite carefully. So I also need to emphasise that no professionals, whether it's doctors, psychologists, anthropologists, nurses, etc, get it right 100% of the time, and that is fine. We're all human, we all make mistakes because sometimes psychologists think a medical condition is a mental condition and sometimes doctors think that a mental condition is actually a medical condition even though it's not and also but the really complicated thing is that sometimes if you have a physical condition like a medical condition it can actually maintain or it can actually help the development of a mental condition so it's all interconnected again this is why the biopsychosocial model is a really important So overall, it's not easy, however I do just want to say that I think this against argument is rather unfair, but it does raise a good question, because with being able to prescribe medication not being educated in medicine and medical conditions as much as doctors, how can psychologists ensure a medical condition isn't overlooked? And again, in all fairness, I do say that how can doctors and medical professionals ensure a mental condition um, isn't overlooked? Anyway. It's a really tough one, I just think that it's pretty, I don't know, this is not a clean-cut debate. And even after researching this, I like it that I'm more aware now of the pros and cons, and hopefully you are too. And hopefully you've really enjoyed today's episode. Granted, it's not easy, because this is not an easy debate, because there are so many pros and there are so many negatives about it. So I would absolutely love to know your thoughts, so you can always tweet me on Twitter, at sci-fi whitey. You can always leave comments on the show notes at conwitely.net forward slash blog, or you can always email me, conwitely at conwitely.net. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So, have a great day, everyone. Please check out my Formulation in a Psychotherapy book before the price goes up on Friday, the 16th of October 2020. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to conorwhitely.net. And if you want a free Ada book psychology box set, then please go to Connorwhiteley.net. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.